In the name of God, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Today is our Feast of Title. It's All Saints, well, it's All Saints Sunday. We did have a service on All Saints Day, but um, this Sunday can be a big festival as well, a big celebration, and this is traditionally the Sunday after All Saints Day is the, is the Sunday that we take as our Feast of Title, the Cathedral of All Saints, right? All Saints Sunday. So I want to talk about saints today. The word uh, saint comes from the Latin word sanctus, you know, we'll say holy, holy, holy uh, at the beginning of the Eucharist. And um, it, it is, uh, the saints are the, are the ones who have been sanctified in Jesus Christ. They're the saints of God. The Greek word is hagioi. Now, there are two words in way, two ways in which this word is used. One way that we're very familiar with, which is that there are these great saints, there are these great exemplars of living the Christian life. They're the kinds of saints that have gospels named after them, right? They're the kinds of saints that appear above an altar, sometimes called saints of the altar, or sometimes they'll talk about how someone, the, the Roman Catholics have just made Cardinal Newman into a saint. They've raised him to be a saint of the altar. So the big saints like that, major exemplars of the Christian life. Saints that we have stained glass windows about. Saints after whom churches are named and hospitals are named and schools and universities are named. So that's one way that, uh, that saints are named, are, are the word saint is used. Someone who is, who's, whose holiness is just absolutely self evident, who's an inspiration and, a, and, a, and an exemplar, and in some ways daunting. The collect that we have, or the preface that we have rather for um, when we celebrate a saint's day during the week at one of the weekday masses, we, we give thanks to God, especially for uh, the saints and martyrs who were the lights of the world in their generation. So you think about, you think about somebody like St. Teresa of Calcutta, whose sanctity was recognized across the Christian world. And she was, um, she was a very small woman, and by the standards of the fashion magazine, she wasn't a very beautiful woman. Yet if you've seen her, I saw, I never saw her in person, but I saw movies of her and, you know, pictures of her. Very beautiful, very, very beautiful. Because of the beauty that's breaking out from within. within. So great saints, holy people in that way. And they're, they're people that can inspire us and they're people from whom we uh, can learn something about the Christian faith and they're people uh, who can befriend us and from whom we can catch the Christian faith. If you go into an Orthodox church, you'll find icons of all these great saints all over the place. And when the Orthodox come into the church, one of the first things they do before they start the service is all of them have a favorite saint and they go find the icon of that saint and then they kiss the icon. And some kind of Christians look at that and they say, oh, they're, 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 they're worshiping they're worshiping people. They're worshiping the creature instead of the creator. But if you ask the Orthodox about it, they'll say, no, they're, they're saying hello to their friends. And their friends are present to them. These great saints that have gone before, they're present to us. 
because we have, uh, we have union with those whose rest, and mystic sweet communion, right, with those whose rest is one. So we have a unity with those that have gone before us in the Christian life in and through Jesus Christ himself. Now, there's another way in which the word saint is used. St. Paul writes to the church in, in Corinth, and he opens up his letter, and he says, to the saints. And he's addressing the whole church, to the holy ones, and he's addressing the whole church. And then you read these, these two letters, and you find out about that church. You find out about all the backbiting and all the gossip and the, and the, and the party spirit and the, and, the, and the strife and the destructive conflict and, uh, and about the gross immorality that's in that church. How can that be? And uh, we, when we confess in the creed that we believe in the communion of saints, we're talking about ourselves. Paul is writing to all the baptized. And by virtue of our baptism, we are, we are holy. We are saints. How can this be? Well, not because of anything of our own, but it's because we have union with him. In baptism, we're made part of him so that he can live in us and we can live in him. And his holiness, it, it flows down upon us by the power of the Holy Spirit. It cascades down upon us. It has to be received, the heart has to be opened, the soul has to be opened, just as you have to put your hands out to receive the sacrament. And so how do we do that? How do we, how do we open ourselves? It's not very complicated. It's very simple. It's very humble. We use what the church calls the ordinary means of grace. If somebody were to ask me, what is my message in 10 words or less or you know, as succinctly as I could put it, I would say, use the ordinary means of grace. Come to Mass on Sunday. Come to, come to a Mass on a holy day, if you can. Have some little devotional book. Pray a little bit every day. Read a little bit of the Bible every day. There are all kinds of schemes for this. Walk in such good works as God has given you to walk in. Find somebody It might be somebody in history, it might be some famous saint, or it might be just somebody that you know who has a kind of evident sanctity and get close to them so it will rub off on you. I remember when I went to seminary, uh, there were all these professors, and um, there was this old man who taught Hebrew. I actually never had a class with him. Professor, Professor Scanlon, like a lot of the saints, he had a, he had a kind of a um, mischievous sense of humor. And um, when they had the graduation and everything, all of the professors would line up, and they all had their degrees from uh, uh, European universities. And when you, the, the, those academic gowns have a great big seal on them, you know, Tubigen or, you know, Heidelberg or whatever it is, you know. And you went down the line until you got to Professor Scanlon, and on his academic gown, his seal was Red Sox. <laughs> he had been a missionary in the Philippines. He was just, he was, he was, he was, he was, he was just luminous. He was just luminous. And there was a kindness in him. There was a compassion in him. There was a goodness in him. 
and you wanted to have what he had. So the saints can help us to answer our call to be holy, because Paul is writing to this church in Corinth, and he's, he's reminding them of their call. The baptismal call is a call to be a holy people, to be a kingdom of priests, be a living temple built up out of living stones, to be a light to the nations. St. Paul says, do as I'm doing, and press on, he says to the Philippians. Press on for the high calling that is in Jesus Christ. Every Sunday when we get done with the liturgy, uh, the altar party gathers together and I say a final prayer. I always say the same prayer every time. Dear, dear Father, thank you for the tremendous privilege of serving your Son and his people, his holy ones, in this sacrament of the Holy Eucharist. By the working of your Holy Spirit, may this Holy Communion be an instrument by which we might grow up into the full stature of your Son, even Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's our, our calling. I've been um, just come back from speaking in, at the Diocese of Dallas on modernity and mission. I gave some talks, and I'm going to revise them here at the cathedral. You'll see it will be in the schedule. But one of the, one of the uh, things that I said about modernity is I've come to understand that one of the things that characterizes the modern age, many good things characterize the modern age, modern medicine and technology and a standard of living that for most of the world's history only the very, very elite could dream of. But there are other things that characterize modernity, and one of the things that makes, makes the modern modern, right? is that, is that it, what's called, I said this last week, radical atheism. It's not like we've concluded God doesn't exist. The question of God is suppressed. We're just focused on this life and making this life as good as it can be. And we don't ask the question about God. And the question about what really makes a good life. In the ancient world, People wanted to know what was true, what was good, what was beautiful, so they could order their lives according to what was true, good, and beautiful, and have a good life. And now uh, we want the life of well-being. We, 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 we suppress the question about the good life. So what is the good life? What does it mean to have a really good life? A really good life is one that presses on towards the high calling that is ours in Jesus Christ the Lord. We'll always be sinners who are called to holiness. We'll always be those that have been sanctified in Jesus Christ and are struggling with sin. But by God's grace, using the ordinary means of grace, we can press on. They uh, asked a little boy in Sunday school one time, who are the saints? And he said to the teacher, the saints are the people through whom the light comes. And she thought, oh, well, he, he thinks I mean, you know, the, the people in the stained glass windows. And then she thought about it a little bit, and she thought, well, maybe he's got something there. They asked another child, what is the meaning of baptism? And he thought 
and he thought about the big Paschal candle, you know, that great light that stands at the font at every baptism and has the marks of the cross upon it, the light of Christ. And sometimes we take a taper and light from that light and give it to the baptized. And he thought about Jesus, the good shepherd, and he said, in baptism, we become sheep of light. So that's our calling. Our calling is to become sheep of light. Uh, the mission of the church is very, very challenging in our time. The question about, we have the answer to a question that is suppressed. Who is the real God? That question is suppressed. What is a really good life? That question is suppressed. We have an answer to questions that are suppressed, right? So mission is very, very tough. So what do we do? Well, we can, there's some things that I can say about that, and you can hear me talk about it later, and you may have different ideas. But one thing I'm absolutely sure of, that, that if we are not pressing on towards holiness, that if we are not sheep of light, that if we are not on a quest, a thirsty quest, that the light of Christ might flame up in us and the light of holiness might be characteristic of our church. This is essential for the mission of the church in our time. Our time in some ways is a very dark time. People are drawn toward the light. So therefore, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Amen.